the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. My Lord and my God, I firmly believe that you are here, that you see me, that you hear me. I adore you with profound reverence. I ask your pardon for my sins and the grace to make this time of prayer fruitful. My Immaculate Mother, St. Joseph, my Father and Lord, my Guardian Angel, intercede for me. Today we have a beautiful passage, very short in the Gospel from St. Mark, where the disciples decide to cross to the other side, and they leave the crowd and they go into the boat, and Jesus enters into that boat, he steps in just as he was. And suddenly a violent squall came up, and the waves were actually breaking into the boat. And Jesus was simply there uh, asleep. It's a powerful, powerful scene. And what power in those words of the Lord, who then, when the apostles are panicking, he faces down that treacherous storm that is there in front of him, that sea that men feared and that seemed to unfurl its wrath against them. Because the sea is, is a force that is so fierce that, that really no human might, no, no strength can really contain it ever. But our Lord, we are told, he woke up He rebuked the wind and said to the sea, Be quiet now. Be calm now. And the wind dropped, and all was calm again. Let us meditate on these words, and even on the reaction of the apostles, as they stare at our Lord standing there, as the, as the boat steadies and everything is now back at peace and their hearts now cease racing. Like the apostles, we need peace and we need calm in our life because our minds are at times like that sea that rages Our mind is something that goes into sudden upheavals like the sea, like the storm. We might be thinking about what somebody said to us, what she meant when she said that, what was she thinking, or we compare our qualities and our capacities. And for some reason, those apparently calm thoughts can suddenly be very very sort of hostile and and lead to a form of agitation, inward agitation. Part of what we think is true, another part is less true or untrue or exaggerated, and we find it difficult some somehow to unfurl the differences between what is true, truly true, m- medium true, and not true at all. And we're like in a big knot, like a clump of seaweed in the water. 
and there are jellyfish around that sting you and they leave big welts on your skin amidst all that bitter salt water. That's what our mind is like at times. Still other times we are perfectly calm, perhaps in the morning, perhaps now I would gather that you're pretty calm, that you're serene, but, but, anything can set off our mind. We forget that the Lord sleeps in our soul, meaning by sleep that he is present, that we keep him in our soul in grace. And suddenly something can set us a squall, a, a, a comment here, a bit of news. But he, in the meantime, he's right there asleep on the cushion, as he was with the apostles. It says he was asleep on the cushion. It's only St. Mark that mentions this. Um, I don't know if that was actually just a bundle of <coughs> nets that had been bundled up. Or maybe it was a lovely cushion with uh, a brocade prepared by Mary herself or a piece of wool attached. Maybe Mark had heard it from St. Peter. Maybe St. Peter himself saw how Mary came and gave him that cushion for the ride. He saw how Mary handed it to him and said, well, take this with you. But kind of doesn't seem, doesn't seem right that uh, an adult would receive a, a cushion. But of course, there are more layers to this gospel, and we ask our Lord now to guide us as we do our prayer this morning in calm and in serenity. Because this... But what are they doing? Well, they're crossing the Sea of Galilee. That image of crossing the, three, the sea is an image of the voyages of life. Maybe the sea itself is our family, our family, the work that we are in. The sea could be our heart itself. And uh, as we said, in small seas, we know great and unforeseen storms can be unleashed and they can be unleashed very suddenly. This is true for the Sea of Galilee. It's known for sudden squalls. I don't know where these winds suddenly come from, but you can be calm at one moment and suddenly there's a squall, there's a storm. <clears throat> and if this is the, if this sea is the the voyage of my life, or the sea itself is the voyage of my life, and, and it's also my family, my work, my vocation, my life itself. Who has not known some storms when all is darkened and our little boat in our life begins to fill with water on all sides? Who has not had that? while God seems to be absent, God seems to be asleep. 
Imagine somebody receiving an alarming diagnosis from the doctor. Those are moments that are at the height of the storm. Or we hear other bad news, maybe about the church, maybe more about COVID restrictions or smaller storms. We can't do the annual course here. We have to change center or we have to change work or we're asked to go here or we have to suddenly work more or there's just bad weather or we get ill or we have an accident of some kind if we cut ourselves in some way. What to do? What to do in front of those storms in our life? What can we hold fast to? And on what side do we have to lower the anchor? Well, Jesus doesn't give us a magic recipe to escape all storms. He doesn't say your life is just going to be like totally a calm sea the whole time. Everything's going to be just wonderful. He has not promised us that we will avoid all difficulties. He has promised us, however, the strength to surmount them if we ask him, if we ask him for that strength, if we ask him to turn that into a new form of resilience. None of us can simply stand up from our pillow and say to the problem, be still. Wound, be healed. Cool it. We can't do it. We can't do it. I remember a television program when I was a kid, there was a character in the program who was called The Fonz, and some of you might remember. He was the cool guy. He always had a leather jacket, and uh, nothing perturbed him. He was the coolest of the cool, and uh, he decided to go camping with uh, his friends. And in one of the episodes, they all have a good time arriving there. They arrive at the campsite, and um, he lies down. Everybody's in their tents. He decides he doesn't need a tent. He's just outside. He just doesn't even get into his sleeping bag. He just lies down directly outside and rolls up his sleeping bag on his, on his head, below his head, and decides to sleep like this. And uh, you think it's the end of the episode. There's a bunch of things that have happened. But as the lights go off, you start hearing the different sounds of the animals. And you see this, the chirping here, the, you know, the loons and the, the deer and all these chirping and howling and wolves. And they get louder and louder and louder and louder and louder and louder. And uh, suddenly there's this cacophony, a symphony of animal sounds. And he is, the fawns is, what's his name? He's got his uh, eyes open and he suddenly sits up and says, cool it. And suddenly all the animals, <laughs> they, they quiet down and he goes back to bed.
you know, he had that power over nature, you know, which, which was, I mean, it was a joke, it was a comedy, you know, but uh, cool it. Well, none of us can say cool it. And uh, we see this even in St. Paul, during the year of St. Paul, a few years ago, I believe it was 2007, Pope Benedict opened for us all the riches of the 14 letters of St. Paul and his missionary trips and his exhortations to the Christians. And there we saw all the, the depths of his heroic life and how St. Paul really did not have it easy. We see his problems, we see his fears, we see his anxieties, and also his intense uh, temperament. He says in his letter to the Corinthians, who is weak and I do not feel weak, who is led into sin and I do not inwardly burn. And then after that he, he talks about a serious problem he had to face in his life, a kind of a storm which he calls a thorn in my flesh. Three times, that is countless times, he says he prayed to the Lord to free him from it, from this thorn, and that the Lord, and, and that the Lord didn't answer him like it, you know. Well, what did our Lord answer him? The Lord did answer him, but what did he say? My grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. St. Paul had this thorn in his flesh. We don't know what, the, you know, we don't know for sure what, what this thorn was. Nobody knows. Some people have different theories and opinions. The fathers of the church, uh, like St. Augustine, thinks it was some kind of painful affliction that he suffered. St. John Chrysostom thinks he's referring to a tribulation caused by the continuous persecution uh, of, against the Christians in which he was a victim. Others, like St. Gregory the Great, the Pope, he believes that he's referring to temptations that he finds difficult to, to resist. So the thorn would be a temptation. But whatever it is, a thorn in the flesh is an image that reminds us of something rather humiliating and somehow hinders him in continuing his work, continuing bearing the gospel as a bearer of the gospel. My grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. And from that day, he tells us that even to glory in his weakness, he says, persecutions and anxieties, and the point of being able to say, when I'm weak, then I am strong. We saw some of those passages of all the things that he went through, the lashes, the stonings, the, you know, the, the, the naufrage, as we say, the, you know, the shipwrecks. He's really, St. Paul, the quintessence of a man who had hardships. He's the example of a man who did not have uh, an easy life. In fact, he uses the word in, in Corinthians, he uses the word afflictions eight times. A momentary affliction is a temporary thing, but there are, there are thing, the things that are seen, unseen, you know, all kinds of difficulties.
Our father knew them too. Don Alvaro suffered them as well. Don Alvaro had external difficulties. Don Alvaro had internal difficulties, health scares. You can think of the the uh, the difficulties it took for for the time of our father to approve the work, and his relationship with the Holy See wasn't always the, the best. Same with Don Alvaro. It got better. But in all that, that affliction, as as St. Paul calls it, there was no sense of loss of hope. In that storm, there was no sense of meaninglessness to all these things that happened. So as we, too, sometimes have to face larger storms or smaller storms in our life. Nobody is going to be without them. The pandemic itself has been a storm. And we can ask ourselves in the presence of God, how have I matured myself now in this pandemic? Like coming out of this pandemic, if if that's what we're coming out of. Who knows, there could be another strain and there are more restrictions, more lockdowns. (laughs) can't put it past this government, they'll, they'll do anything, you know, but uh, this is a problem we've had. We've had other problems, there could be other things. How have I matured? One statement we can say first is that problems never leave us where they found us, never. They always do something to us. Those apostles after that storm, no doubt after having seen Jesus act like that, they came away from that quite different. I mean, that's why they after all recounted it. St. Mark is recounting the impression that this calming of the storm left on Peter. Any storm affects us in one way, but then it leaves us and we're a different person after that. We could be left bitter, or we could be left better, more confident. There's no guarantee that we will be left better. A hardship, a failure, could be an occasion of learning, it could be an occasion of growth, it could be an occasion of maturity. And that, in large part, doesn't so much depend on the thing itself, but on our ability to reframe it, to see it as an opportunity to grow our freedom. There was one father I heard of at the dinner table when his children would come home. He would ask them, so how did you fail today? Where did you fail? Because he always wanted the children to get something out of their failures in the day. In other words, he was suggesting that it was practically a good thing to have had a problem because that way they could learn from it. And he was trying to instill in them this ability to learn from any failing. Because it's true, some people, you talk to them about their life and they, oh, I had this thing happen, that bad thing happened, I lost a job, I had this health problem. And it's as though their life is uh, like an, 
I don't know, like a storm of bitterness and agitation. Sometimes they go into a victim mode. They they feel victimized by somebody. They talk about, I need closure, I need closure. These strange words. But what is what is clear is that they haven't grown. Others realize that God is making them bigger and that it's an opportunity for them. A bad day does not mean that we've had a bad life. We tend to exaggerate the badness of the bad. Remember, St. Paul says, when I am weak, then I am strong. When I am in the storm, then I will grow and become a great sailor. So, problems, issues, storms never leave us the same way. They change us in some way. So we must trust in God. This is, of course, in today's gospel, the storm at sea is the message of the gospel. <clears throat> On that day, what saved the, the disciples from shipwreck was the fact that they had Jesus in the boat before beginning the crossing. They crossed over the other side, but they had Jesus in the boat. And this also is the best guarantee against the storms of life, to take Jesus with us, to always have him, to always be faithful, to have him with us in our plan of life, of course, to have Jesus, to take Jesus in the boat of our life, in our family, in faith, in prayer, infidelity to the plan of life and definitely when a storm is unleashed well actually in the, in the past when there was a storm the seamen used to pour apparently they used to pour oil uh, into the waves to calm them they believed that if they poured oil I don't know why that would be why that belief had any validity but that was a custom and for us, on the, on the waves of fear or anxiety, if, if we should be agitated, and for legitimate reasons, something has happened and we are, well, then we have to pour on there, not oil, but, well, the oil of the trust in God. Okay, this has happened, now let me trust in God. And that's what the St. Peter exhorted the early Christians to do, to trust in God, in persecutions saying he said to them cast your anxieties on him for he cares about you and uh, indeed uh, the Lord sees the lack of faith in the uh, in, in disciples and he reproaches them because they were concerned do you not care if we perish they were worried they were that, that expression, do you not care if we perish? Like that's, that's putting, it's obvious that he cares, but they're in a state of absolute uh, anxiety and, and fear for them to say that. And so it leads us to realize that what matters, or it isn't so much, rather, it isn't so much 
what happens to us that matters, but what happens in us that matters most. The general interior state. And indeed, it's true that God really does use external events to deepen something within us. And we ask the Lord now to help us become more uh, resilient, to rise against the setbacks that can happen in our life. Sometimes he uses afflictions to set our, well, to, to get our attention. So, can you think of a setback, a latest one, that has somehow made you better? Has it, has you, have you allowed in any way uh, bitterness to enter? Well, you know, one important uh, task we have also in that is that in front of any, any difficulty, let's say more work, or we get a headache, or we get, you know, personal tiredness, We'll, we'll deal with it. We have to try to remove it, or remove it, you know, deal, do something with it. We, but in front of uh, any setback, we also have to have a certain amount of sense of humor. A certain amount of sense of humor. Because we can get agitated about, you know, like some like mechanical thing doesn't work and it doesn't, doesn't click, it doesn't, like computers, you know, there are all kinds of videos on the internet where you see people taking a computer and literally throwing it out the window, you know, because they, or a copy machine that doesn't work, and they take, they take a hammer and they start smashing the copy machine because the paper gets jammed, and or a printer, and we should we should uh, take things with a sense of humor, you know that that famous story of Carol Burnett. Carol Burnett was a famous uh, comedian in the 1970s. Um, who was like she was she must have been the funniest lady I've ever seen. I mean Carbonette is the star of comedy. If you haven't seen Carbonette, you know, you've missed something in your life, you know. But <laughs> but uh she she recounted that uh she right at her, she had her show and she would introduce the show and uh she said um she I, I was I was getting out of a taxi in New York and uh and uh I got out, uh, they dropped me off and then as I closed the door, my, my, my jacket got caught in the door and uh, the talk taxi took off and I kept going and, and I started running, 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 running behind because my, my jacket was caught on the door and uh, I was there with my high heels and, uh, and, uh, and then suddenly the taxi driver noticed and he stopped abruptly and he jumped out and opened the door and said, oh, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. Are you okay? Are you okay? She said, all out of breath, she said, "Yes, I, I, I'm okay. I'm okay. Just, just how much more do I owe you? You know, because <laughs> she went a certain more distance, you know, and uh, only Carol Burnett could say that. How much more do I owe you? And um, and so we we ask uh, our blessed Lord for that uh, that grace that that would make us strong. It has to be something that we have to." know how to manage within ourselves and then um, help others with as well. It'll make us strong to see that God's providence is present in our life and he allows for storms, he allows for setbacks, but he has a plan and part of that plan is to make us 
somehow better and to fall more in love with Him. We can ask this of Our Lady, Our Blessed Mother. We call her sometimes Our Lady of Sorrows because well, she suffered the sorrows of the sins of mankind weighing down upon her son. Yet nevertheless, she saw its meaning, its purpose within the context of the redemption. And she carried it with, with sorrow, with sorrow, being a co-redeemer, but also allowing it to sanctify her and, and, and really um, sharing in her co-redemptive mission with her son. I thank you, my God, for the good resolutions, affections, and inspirations you have communicated to me in this meditation. I ask you to put them into effect. My Immaculate Mother, St. Joseph, my Father and Lord, my guardian angel, to seek for me.